Hi, I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In The Moment, a podcast on acting, art, and life. In this series, I'm talking to AMAW alumni, students, and clients about the challenges of acting and the joys of creating in the 21st century. For more information, go to anthonymindel.com, or you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. On today's episode, Tony chats with AMAW teacher Ben Hodge and teen students Olivia Pituk, Edna Gupta, and Christina Ellis. Listen in as they talk about book bans, diversity, and the activism aspect of being an artist. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another iteration of In The Moment podcast. I haven't done one in a while. I usually do them in bulk, but we have a very special podcast today with four guests, but only two of them are here right now. Awkward, but I'm always into just like working, uh, you know, by the seat of my pants and in the moment. That's why it's called In The Moment. (laughs) So um, I just want to introduce two of my guests who are here. I'm going to introduce everybody. And then uh, hopefully the other two are going to be joining us and we will do some really interesting editing tricks here. Um, uh, So today's podcast is interesting to me. It's really about uh, art, art's sort of... um, the activism aspect of being an artist, right? Where art meets activism and how they're really inseparably linked. Um, And that everybody is an activist, whether or not they realize it. Uh, Sometimes we have to catch up to our own activism, which I'll talk about later, but I want to introduce Ben Hodge, um, Ida Gupta, Olivia Pituk, and Christina Ellis. And Ben and Ida are here to start us rolling. And Ben has been our AMAW online teen and youth class teacher for a while now and also teaches at Central York High School in Pennsylvania and has been incorporating AMU teaching for teens for a long time and I've had the pleasure of working with him and teens who are really gleaning from this way of working and present becoming present and emotionally available and Ida has been part of this group teen power that has been raising sort of the charge against, um, I'm gonna just tell you what I've learned from it and watching it on CNN. Um, So basically reversing the diversity resource ban at Central York, the, the whole school district, I thought it was just the high school, but it's elementary, middle school and high school, Jesus. And how the school district there is trying to ban books um, on acceptance, self-love, cultural heritage, inclusion, right? And the writers that include Nobel, Nobel Prize winners, um, authors of color, Spanish writers from Lupita Nyong'o to Vashti Harrison. And so what an interesting time we're living in in 2021 where there's still book banning. So how was that intro? Did I kind of cover basically what's happening? <laughs> Not only probably in Pennsylvania, but probably other schools across the country, correct? So, you know, why don't you start us off? Hi. Hi. Um, so I'm Ida. I'm a senior at Central York High School this year and the president of the Panther Anti-Racist Union. Um, that was created last year initially when these comments um, against a diversity resource list and incorporating diversity into our education came out. Um, Initially, we were very shocked. um, And before any action was taken, even before anything happened, Mr. Hodge and a few students um, wanted to get together and set up a union and try to amplify the voices of persons of color in this district and any marginalized communities in this district to try to make our voices heard. So at that point, um, we kind of had just gotten together um, and I had actually had several meetings with the board at that point in March last year talking about, you know, why this ban, why not pertaining to this ban, but why they had said what they had said, how it it had hurt me, how they had questioned whether racism was, you know, a thing at the district, whether, you know, the skepticism behind like the experiences of all the persons of color in this district and what they had been through. So we had conversations last year and they had, they had told me that, you know, we do value diversity and we want this to be in our curriculum and we, we appreciate you, which was all chatter. And it was nothing really tangible came out of that. They, 
those meetings showed to me that they kind of just wanted to silence us, just kind of wanted to be like, hey, like we understand that you're kind of mad at us, but we kind of just want to um, calm you down and get on with our lives so you don't bother us again. Um, and there was always this underlying skepticism, you know, when I even vulnerably shared my experiences to this board. So just to give you an idea of like the board's sentiment towards the student body and, you know, teachers and staff and everyone at that point. So when this ban happened, we were so shocked. Like I, I felt so betrayed, um, a slap in the face. Like you, how could you have told me just a few months prior, six months prior that you were gonna make these things happen, make a diversity education at the elementary level and the high school level happen, but then totally reverse on your decision and do the exact opposite. So at that point, we knew that conversations weren't working and we had had conversations before and we actually prefer talking because we prefer having productive conversations and sharing perspectives and opinions and ideas like that's what we're all about at the panther anti-racist union so if that was the way to make this work then we would have done that but obviously that didn't work so we kind of just started doing protests and um that our voice just got amplified from there and cnn and local news and it just it was a crazy experience, but also so indicative of how a community can really come together in times of need and show that they support each other. And that was a really long answer. I apologize, but that's good. No, I love it. I love your passion. And also not only how people can come together, but also the youth, right? Like you're 17, um, your, your fellow protesters and advocates are also teenagers. And so, you know, I know Ben has been, you know, helping the journey, but like, I think it's really speaks to the power of youth to make things change. Um, ben, what, what are your thoughts about? Yeah, I mean, I think tapping on to, I think Ida summarized it perfectly. Um, and I would say, I would echo that sentiment um, and what you just said, which is um, they came to me, many of these kids, they found out on August 11th, um, or they found out a two week, we found out, the teachers found out August 11th in an email that was sent to us. And that's when things started to really get serious because now it became a directive. This board voted on the diversity resources back in November of 2020. And up to that point, I had led a, I had led a community-wide protest back in September in the community first with some of the original members of the Panther Anti-Racist Union. And so they voted in 2020 and then didn't send a directive out until August 11th, 2021. And that's when it became real for the faculty and the educators, because now there was a directive in place that if you went against what they said, now there could be possible disciplinary uh, repercussions for that. So as, uh, that happened two weeks later or a week later, an article came out in the, and that's how the kids found out. The kids found out about this ban through a local newspaper called the York Dispatch. So they weren't even told about it. They, it, it, they had to find out about it. And these kids came to me and they said, Mr. Hodge, what are you going to do about it? And my first thought was very snap decision thought was I'm I'm honored and pleased to know that these kids look to me as somebody that that would possibly do something. And I stopped and I said, what are it's not about what I want to do about this is what do you want to do about this? Right. And so it was their decision. And I was there and have been as kind of a facilitator to support uh, cross the T's and dot the I's, talk to who we need to talk to, get approval administratively from people and all sorts of that stuff. So that's, it really has been a student thing, but it, and, you know, as a teacher here at AMAW, it's one of the things that we do in my classes. And it's one of the things we do online in the team program as well. And that is like creating, it all has to start with a safe space and your voice matters. Your whether you're, whether you are, telling somebody else's words, or more importantly, when it becomes your words, these kids felt that they were safe and they had somebody that was listening to them because that's how they were trained as well. Um, uh, I have so many questions, but I think we just, uh, Christina just joined and Olivia. Hi ladies. Hi. Were you at rehearsals? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For what? We're doing a cabaret right now. Oh, school. wow. 
Okay, not not the not the musical cabaret, just no, a different. No, no, we're doing all together now. Okay. It's oh wow. Cabarets, so. Okay. Does it feel good to be rehearsing amongst people again, as opposed to on Zoom? Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, and how, Christina? How old are you? How old are you? I'm 17. And Olivia, same age. 17. You guys are all seniors. Okay. Well, great. I mean. I've already, we've already started the podcast and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Ida kind of led us into, I, I guess, where my question is for the, the listeners, because I know it's been on CNN, it's made national coverage and local coverage, obviously, but I guess to backtrack a little bit. So uh, Ben, what you mentioned, so last fall, the committee basically presented a number of titles that they submitted to the school board that they wanted to be on the reading list, right? Scholastically, correct? And they were all approved at that time. Now, cut to the new season and those books, they did an about face is basically what happened, correct? Yeah, that, dis that discussion of, uh, actually because of the, after the murder of George Floyd back in June, there were some teachers and like-minded educators who were like, hey, these conversations are gonna start popping up in our classrooms. We need our part of our work and our responsibility as educators, good educators and good community members is to make sure that we have material and resources available to our families not just our students, but our, our families and our community members at our at our district. So we started to put the uh, a group started to put these books together and resources together. And that the initial catching wind of the problem of these resources happened, I guess, some sometime around the summer of 2020. And that's when uh, Ida talked about that, the, the comments the the fear and the worry and concern that you've been hearing in the media of CRT, um, all these things, one-sided versions of history. Um, you're going to make my kid uh, feel bad because they're white or make them feel guilty because they're white. It started to get thrown out throughout the public record. And um, the, 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 you know, we tried to get diversity people to come in and talk and they, those things were shut down. And that led to the first community protest in September. But correct me, is your is the school board, is it all white? Are they all all white school board members? They are, and yet you live in your your school is in the second most diverse county in Pennsylvania. So oh my goodness. Well, there we go. <laughs> I mean you just trace it back and then we're there you got it. Now we know where all the problems uh, arise. So ladies, since you just joined, tell us like you're wanting to, to get involved and your what it's, what it's brought out for you as a young teen activist artist. For me, um, I moved into the district my 10th grade year. I'm now a senior. So I haven't been here like a, a super long time. But for me, it was when you see wrong, do something about it. And so when I saw this was happening, I was like, okay, no, this can't be, you know, this cannot be happening under my nose. So that's why I got involved to just stand up for what's right and make a difference. Um, it wasn't because I had like previous bad experiences with the district, you know, I'm blessed enough to have fell into a great community of people who accepted me and didn't like, you know, weren't racist to me, things of that nature. But um, yeah, I just had to make sure that that the way I felt continued on, you know, in a way. So that way, those who are feeling, you know, like they're being left down secluded. And this book ban was doing that in a way, because it also kind of like, what a school board is gonna like, you know, ban books about people who look like me, like that's not something that needs to happen. So that's why I got involved. Wow. And, and for me, there kind of were two main things that I wanna say. Um, I mean, this happened and this is not anything like the central I know. I mean, I've been here, all of my life, um, this is not something that we would have expected. Um, as the school board began making comments as of last year, it was something that wasn't as surprising as it um, would have been before, before the comments, uh, but it definitely was surprising for Central. Uh, and banning books, like that's, this, this is past just making racist comments, this is completely silencing BIPOC voices and history and, you know, kind of, you know, resources that can help all kids of the district. Um, so I, I needed to do something to change that around. Um, and it's it's taught me that my voice truly does matter. Um, I mean, as younger kids, uh, we're constantly told that our voices are irrelevant and that 
we can't like do anything about anything and we can't be the change. But this experience has shown us all that it doesn't matter how young you are, you can be the change. Um, if you stand up for what's right, put your voice out there um, and be that inspiration, your voices really can be the change and your voice really does matter. Oh, for sure. I mean, I was saying that before you guys got on when I was talking to Ida, because I think the power of youth is such a tangible force, right? I think partly because what I love about working with young people is they don't, you know, think of no as an option sometimes, right? Because as we get older, it's just partly, and I'm not defending old people, believe me. I mean, but I think what's interesting is because I'm dating somebody who's younger and it's really great for me to always be reminded of like, oh my God, I used to be so fearless in putting myself out there or fighting for a cause or doing whatever it is that I wanted to create. And then as you move through life, just as life does, you'll hear no's, right? And you'll get rejected and you'll, you know, not always get the thing that you thought you deserve to get. And I think sometimes if you don't keep an open, youthful heart active as an active part of who you are, you can start to shut down and you can start to like sort of conform to, you know, the, the narratives that we all live by or convention or just sort of like being part of the system right and we know that the system to me being an artist is about being a disruptor that the system doesn't work it's never worked and it's always going to be the artist through whatever vehicle a writer a director an actor a singer a poet a dancer i mean it doesn't matter it's all art right is helping to raise voices and also to me reflecting what it means to be a human and humans are come in all varied shapes and sizes and colors and experiences, right? And so I think, to me, I really just commend you guys because I do think it's really important to remember like just how much power we do have when we just start to get active, right? Which is what's happened. Um, I guess my, my question about it is, so has the school board, so what's come of it since you know, as soon as you get CNN involved, Jesus, like what is everybody, is the school board freaking out? Are they hiding under the table? I mean, are they meeting with you guys? You know, I'll let you take that one. Well, um, I think we did shiver their timbers a little bit after all <laughs> this um, yeah. activism and, you know, negative media on them. Because, you know, after every broadcast, we would hear the same thing. The reporter would be like, we have reached out to the board, but we have not heard anything back yet. Yeah, exactly. So it would just be the same thing. And, and that really, you know, I, we know they saw us. We know that they knew what we were doing um, because you can't be that blind to what's happening around you. Um, and they were definitely shaken up by it. They, they knew that there were people coming for them finally after so many years. And because of that, they temporarily revert, have reversed the ban. Um, now this is in, this is a temporary reverse reversal, which means that until the new superintendent who is gonna be voted in in November, later in November, comes in and does further review of all the materials on the list and then makes the final decision, this ban, the reversal is temporary. Now, that being said, we have also set up a diversity steering committee at our high school and um, are working personally with the acting superintendent right now to incorporate more diversity into the classrooms and and really amplify our voices in any way. I'm talking. I'm trying to have sessions with the principal to see what curriculum can be placed in new curriculum for students to learn about diversity. And we're setting up more, di more in-depth diversity celebrations with the superintendent. So these things are happening. And that this is a chain reaction from when our when we spoke about, about our voices. And from before, I wanted to say like, our country is in the state right now where we're finally waking up and seeing the reality of what is around us. Because I've also, been a student in this district since I was in preschool. And I've gone through discrimination. I've gone through racism. So this has always been a problem. But because no one talked about it, no one thought it existed. And until our young voices, the youth stood up and did something about it, it was kind of like a shock to them. It was like new. It was like, this, this really happened. This really exists. It was like this new thing. And I think this is this upheaval that this whole country is going through. So 
just because it was new to them doesn't mean it's new to all the persons of color in this district. So, yeah. Well, I think that's a really good point, right? Like you've been living it. I think this is the whole point about racism and, and what we're really trying to contend with here is the fact that they haven't spoken to the media or they haven't, you know, I, I think it's really about everybody is on a different learning curve, right? And so to err is human, but to not be accountable and to learn and, and be willing to talk about, you know what? Oh, I didn't know that. Or maybe they did know that. And that's just like a platitude. But even to have a conversation around something is what creates change, right? Which is all you guys were really asking for, right? Um, ladies, let me ask you both too. Um, do you think it's because like, what do you think it's about? Why, you know, obviously the reaction to Black Lives Matter and like the social justice movement that's occurred is probably also what created such an about face. I mean, I'm not there, I don't know, but this is what I, you know, because it has really created, I think a line in the sand for many people, right? Which is you're either pro or you're against for many, for many people. It sounds a little bit like they have drawn a line in the sand there in your community and you can't be, for a just cause and also be American, or maybe I'm stretching too far, but that's that's kind of how I have, go ahead, Christine, tell me. I think personally, it's fear of change, education, growth, and looking in the mirror and your reflection. Because wow. when you present this to people, some people, it's like, oh, I can't be racist. I can't be, but you haven't educated yourself on what can be considered racist, what can be considered discriminatory in a way. So we're not trying to bash anyone. We're not trying to shove these resources down anyone's throats. We're trying to say, hey, banning these resources is wrong. You know, you can't be racially ignorant and just, and you know, all your life. You, we're encouraging people to learn, to grow, and to learn to live with each other. You know, if you stay in your little corner all your life, you're not gonna learn, you're not gonna grow, you're not gonna experience the full, like, you know, vast that this world can give you with other people who don't look or believe the same things you do or don't have the same you know, paycheck as you. You know, it's, it's about growing with each other and learning how to grow within yourself and to do some self-reflection. You know, we all need to work on ourselves. Like that's never an ending thing. So it's, it's more than just, you know, a, a racial thing. It's, it's, it's a human thing. Mm. And- Go ahead, Olivia, yeah. Sorry. Um, and also, so I've been saying this a lot because uh, it's not said enough, uh, even though we, a lot of us are constantly shouting it. BIPOC history is American history. Yeah. These and also these resources are resources. They weren't like they weren't being shoved into the curriculum. They weren't like being distributed to every kid and forced to be read. Like no, these are books to have in the back of a classroom library or resources in the regular library. Um, and these are all books that can. Um, that can help kids learn about themselves, about each other, about what to look out for. Um, and these books included, as Mr. Hodge put in the, um, in the comments, uh, it included LGBTQ plus books. Um, and this is an issue that uh, is constantly, it's not as uh, talked about, especially in a education level, um, but I have been in classrooms where the only time I hear LGBTQ plus is when people are arguing over whether or not they have rights. Mm -hmm. And that has happened in the classrooms that I'm in, in, what is it, 2021. Um, so it's, there's something that's so disappointing about being in a classroom and for like LGBTQ plus students to hear kids arguing over whether or not they should have rights. Uh, and that's, and banning these books just show that they don't really care what LGBTQ plus people, how they feel and how BIPOC members feel. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people would say like that they're uncomfortable, but like for LGBTQ plus people and for black people, we've been uncomfortable all our lives. This yeah. is the norm for us. So yeah. it shouldn't be, if you're feeling uncomfortable learning about this, how about feeling uncomfortable living it? You know what right. I mean? So it, it's not, it's just it, that, that, that statement of like, I don't wanna be uncomfortable, that just, it just takes me back like, why? Why don't you wanna yeah. learn? Why don't you wanna grow? You know what I mean? Because like we've been doing this, you know, since birth. I, I can't change the way I look. You know, I'm always going to be judged based on the way I, I look, the way my color, the color of my skin. So we're trying to make it a world where everyone can just be themselves and don't feel like they have to hide or have to change or 
anything of that nature. Just be you because you're, you were born the way you are. You know what I mean? Like there's no way for, for you to try to change yourself just because somebody else doesn't like you. And these resources help to illustrate that. Like there's books called I'm Enough and All Are Welcome that were books about showing that you're enough and that you matter and that you don't need to change for the rest of the world. So, yeah. And it really just shows, it's like after Christina said that, it's just like, check your privilege. Like you, everyone else has been so uncomfortable for their whole lives. And for the expense of your comfortability, you are putting down all the populate marginalized communities in your district. Check that privilege. And it's, it, it's also like, we're at this time where things are so sensitive, where if, you, if they say a trigger word, word like a communist, Marxist, un-American, immediately, immediately, without any further knowledge, education, people will immediately start, you know, drawing that line in the sand, taking sides, being like, I'm not going to be associated with communists, I'm not going to be associated with Marxists, without even looking at the bigger picture or listening or really knowing what is going on. Like, that is where we are at right now. Like, and it's, it's frustrating that I have to use discrimination instead of racism in interviews, because that's a trigger word. Because that's something that will, when people hear that, they'll be like, I'm not racist. And they'll feel personally attacked. That is where we are at right now. And that's, that's really reflective of this board. I mean, the, gosh, I mean, Ben, I want to hear from you as well. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. I was just going to say a couple of things. You guys are so, so on point. You know, I think the, the reason why I brought up the BLM movement was like, and drawing a line in the sand is because, you know, kind of what you said is true. I think for a lot of people, it was so confrontive because it does make them as white people check their privilege. Oh my gosh. It's a really something that people have to contend with. You know what I mean? And I think that that can, that leads to this point, Christina, like you were saying is, I think, you know, it's very scary and I'm not defending anyone, but you have to be willing to do your own work on yourself, right? It is, you know, when, when uh, the social justice movement was, when we were in the, deep in it, I mean, I was deep doing my own work, reading books. And like, I, especially this book called Cast, that was, is a really amazing book. And I, I dealt with being white, my own, maybe, I've never thought of myself as a racist, right? But like my own place being a white person in systemic racism, how I have consciously and unconsciously contributed to the system that governs, you know, the entire world really, right? Like the, her whole philosophy is race sits within caste and it's all based on a caste system, right? And so it was really uncomfortable and painful to, and the things that I had to sit with. And you're totally right. Well, too bad. Like people of color have had to be dealing with pain forever. So like, uh, you know, we have to deal with it. And so I just think that that is also people's fear, right? And so a, a book brings up their own stuff that they then project onto others. I mean, I, I think to me, nothing seems more insane than, oh, there these are just recommended books that you can read more about and, and they're inclusive. And I can't imagine a kid, if, like when I was growing up, there were no books about being gay, right? Like love yourself, love your gay self or anything like that. So I couldn't go to the library and just read, oh, like there are other people like me, right? So it's so crazy when you were saying that, Olivia, but like about the books and about them not, it's not even being required. They're just like extra resource materials, right? Like how beneficial it could be for, oh, it's making me really emotional. Like for a little gay boy, I can only speak for myself, to have had those resources and to read something, it doesn't change someone. I think that's obviously why the school board is so scared. It's gonna convert my 16 year old girl. You know what I mean? Like, but that's that sort of archaic thinking is what, what you guys are all standing for to make a change. And I just, it's so moving to talk about this. Visit anthonymindel.com slash events to keep on the beat with what's happening worldwide at AMAW Studios. Ben, what does it feel like to be an educator, like in, in all of this? Uh, there were, I mean, I've had right to know requests filed against me, uh, which are basically uh, going through my school emails and my computer. 
uh, from the community after my after the leading the uh, initial uh, protest back in September 20. So yeah, I was threatened. Uh, there are the the board wasn't threatening me. It was a it was community members who um, there are you know I mean follow them follow the power is what you said but it was community members but nonetheless like there was intimidation tactics there were another teacher who was responsible for putting a list together uh they were they were targeted um and Wait, what, you, know, you mean a list of books or a list of people who were supporting yeah the yeah i mean basically there's a saying we have is like red flagged so we were there were teachers that were i, I think we were looking over our shoulders I, I think i can say that where you there were i had a conversation with jen uh, my wife, um, right before the kids and I, we were we were planning the walk-ins and in, in the middle of all that stuff. And, you know, Jen and I had a very serious conversation about like, hey, honey, like, is this something, are you really sure this is going to now start bringing us into the, and, and not, not from a, not from a place of like, I don't want you to do it. It was coming from, a, it was a very serious like conversation between a spouse spouses about like, this is a big deal. And we both agreed that this is the right thing to do. And Jen was the one who said, cause I was like, I don't know if I can be here. Like, I don't know if I, I want to be here. And Jen said to me, she said, if you go and all of the people go that are trying to stand up for this, then they win. That's what she said. And so that really changed my mindset in terms of like, you know what, if, if, if I get fired for this or if I get reprimanded for this, there's a short list of things as an educator that I would be okay with getting fired for. And it's probably number one with a bullet is standing up for the marginalized and the people in our communities that are underrepresented. Like that's my number one with a bullet easily. I, I can't think of anything else. And I will say this, that representation, we keep coming back to this. We're talking about representation. Tony, when you're mentioning that thing about like being just a 16 year old gay kid and a boy or girl, like, yeah, you need to see yourself in yeah. books and Ida needs to see Indian Americans in books and, and Christina yeah. needs to see strong black women and black men in books and Olivia yeah. needs to see, we all need to see each other about that. And like, and as a white cis male, I want to read those because they're good stories and it's about life and it's interesting and it's engaging and it's wonderful. And I don't understand. Uh, and just because I've had the ability to, I see myself in everything that I watch. I looked, I've, my come to Jesus moment was like, man, I see my, I can watch go on Netflix and I don't have to look for BIPOC or LGBTQ specials. I just watch and I can see myself constantly. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's necessarily right. We have to do better at that. Yeah. I mean, do you think the communities push back? I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's either people like overt racism or people who are just scared to look at the truth of what's going on. I, mean, I think it's, I think it's both. Yeah. I really do. I think it's both. And to, to be fair, so, you know, we hear about this silent majority or whatever the hell that is. I don't even know what that means. But this silent majority of people who are feeling what you just mentioned, quietly sitting and waiting, believing stuff. But the community did speak when these brave, courageous young heroes stood out and started to meet in the morning, 15 minutes every day, we had two community events after, and they were 150 people. And then the last one was on the meeting of the vote was we had over 250 people in the community at this place. Now, that's a, that's a big turnout for York, Pennsylvania on the lawn outside of the district, super, uh, district office. So the number we, uh, Christina has said this, I think a couple times, right? That I think we have the numbers. If it, it's a numbers game, the, 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 the unifying, the, the people that believe in diversity and representation are, they exist and they are, they didn't know that it was where we were in this situation. So it was a small number of people that were dictating because they had access and closeness to the power that were making these decisions affecting the larger majority without the larger majority knowing. And when the majority found out about it, they said, uh-uh, no, no, no. 
Um, and Ida, I want Ida to say like what we're going to be doing after the, um, you know, the temporary ban. She said uh, something like we're going to be watching like these kids are going to be watching, you know, and maybe that's going to be enough for them to do the right thing. And yeah, I just want to add on that. Like when you said, where does this hate come from? It is this vicious cycle of generation after generation. There is no widening of perspective. There is no, there is, you are taught the one narrative, you are taught um, stereotypical things about black people, you're taught stereotypical things about Asian Americans and you are, you believe them because that is what you're grown up with. That is what your parents believe. That is what you believe. It is this vicious cycle again and again that is hard to break because it is ingrained in people's upbringing to hate people and they don't know they don't know any different they don't know any better they're the main character of their own narrative you know until as you said until as you stepped out of your own comfort zone and looked at the world from someone else's perspective and until you had that maturity and until you had that strength nothing you know there there was no growth but people aren't willing to you know step out of their comfort zones because it is taught hatred so when you don't incorporate these um, lgbtq plus books in libraries and BIPOC history books in libraries. It's like you are reinforcing the hatred between children. And when children go home, when they're young and they're like five years old and they hear their family saying, we hate gay people, we hate people of color or whatever they say that instills that hatred, there's not going to be any you know, perspect opposite perspective that they learn. They're going to learn at school and at home that this is the right thing to do. So that I don't think people realize the amount of impact that banning these books has, because by having these books in libraries, young children can go look at themselves and see an opposing perspective on how um, LGBTQ people should be treated and, 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 and how BIPOC people should be appreciated in this country. And when they have that opposing perspective, that's when the vicious, vicious cycle will break. That's when children will start to realize like maybe what I'm being taught isn't right. And that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. And that can literally save someone's life. What yeah. Ida just mentioned there, that can save that little, that little 16 year old gay boy or girl, right? That could save that child's life and it could save people's lives just that a safety net of knowing that there's a, somebody else out there who's written this book or uh, produced this movie or this film is is it, it can save lives and, well, I also, you know, oh, go ahead go ahead guys go ahead. I, was, I was gonna say like especially removing these books from like a lot of these books that were on the ban list were targeted for the elementary kids like k through three yeah. that's a crucial time for a kid that's starting to develop so if you're taking books away from a black little girl about you know loving herself and accepting herself that is a problem that's a yeah. that yeah i am enough if you take that book away from and never give them the chance never give kids the chance to be nice to each other to be kind to learn how to accept each other that you're robbing them from a life full of happiness you're robbing them from a life of just being a loving person and and all we're asking for is just being open to education like i there were things that went through my family that I thought was right, or I didn't even think twice about. And I've unlearned them and I've learned about racism and microaggressions and harmful stereotypes and all these things. And that's through education and having these resources available. Um, I've learned so much from Christina and Ida and Miss Jackson and, and Becca and Renee. Like I've learned so much from these people. And that's kind of what we're saying. We just want people to be ready to learn because that is how I was able to grow by listening to these BIPOC, these amazing BIPOC members of, of our community and reading all these incredible resources. Well, I also think it speaks to like our historic, our, our whole his history has to change, right? The educational understanding of our history. Wasn't it just Columbus Day the other day? I mean, don't get me started. You know what I mean? Like, come on now, first of all, I mean, Columbus, yeah, see, don't even get me started. I mean, he did not even find America, but to have to, I think they were gonna try to pass new legislation, right? To call it Ind Indigenous Peoples Day, but that's never gonna happen because it speaks, well, I shouldn't say that. Eventually it will happen because more and more young people are gonna be taking over these positions that are held by 
old white people, <laughs> if I dare say it, you know what I mean? Um, nothing wrong with being old or white as long as you're open-minded and free thinking and not part of, you know, the traditional narrative. And, and I think, I think like what we're, you know, I also think something that came to mind that is also really interesting, what's the beautiful thing is all these things are coming out more and more, right? It's like an infection that has reached the surface of the skin and must be treated. Like I think Trumpism ushered in a whole era of people who saw for themselves that they could be racist, that they could be transphobic, they could be homophobic, they could be Islamophobic, they could be anti-refugee immigration, they could be deniers of science, it, uh, deniers of climate change. They, it, it ushered in a way to be, um, you know, racist. And so I think it's, I think, and you know, as much as it was a horrendous part of what we've had to live through, also Black Lives Matter may not have had the sort of response that it ha had, had Trump not been a part of that mix. You know what I mean? As disastrous as it has been in many ways, I also see it as like all things, right? Benefits come out of the breakdown. You know, possibilities come out of, you know, the, the things not working. So. So I, I, I don't know, that's just something that came to mind while I was listening to you guys. And so what is it, you know, I, I, how do you guys feel about art and activism? You know, in my old space in my apartment, when I first moved to LA, I had this collage. I still have it downstairs in my house, but I need to, I made this collage on this door that I found one time. It's so random that I said I found a door, but I found this glass door that was really beautiful. And then I did this really amazing art collage on it and a lot of the images that I I found were of people who were resisting authority all over the world I'll, I'll take a photo of it and send it to you guys because it was like you know people fighting uh like the military coup in Vietnam let's say or just images over the years that I found really powerful of people fighting resistance right and on the door I would write I wrote a sign that said be an activist in your own life because that's what being an artist is. And I always remember early on when I was teaching and starting the school, I would walk out with that reminder. And that's been so much of the thrust of the teaching and what I've been, you know, what our schools help actors uh, sort of identify as, right? Because art is a form of activism. So where do you guys meet yourselves in that moving forward? Or what's, what's, what does that speak to you? about? I just want to say I will recount a very fond memory I have. So at one of our Peru meetings at the very beginning of the school year, it was a club meeting. We were just getting started. It was like a second meeting of the year. And one of the mission goals of Peru is, you know, expressing how you feel through art, poetry, spoken word, any art form. Um, because art, it really is so powerful in um, communicating your messages across in such a powerful way that it can really impact people, like it, more than it, you can while just talking to people. But, you know, artistically expressing how you feel about something is, it is so, so impactful. So basically, we were talking about this and we were like, so this is basically a safe space for anybody and anyone to come speak on their um, experiences as a person of color in this district or what they've observed, please, like this is a safe space, you will not be judged. So um, can I say her name? Okay, so a, a, a girl, she is a junior this year, her name is Ayana Cruz. She was like, well, I have like this poem prepared and we were like, yeah, you're getting up and you're performing this poem for everyone right now. So we got her up to the stage and like, oh my God, her poem was like so impactful. It was about like um, how indigenous people occupied America first, about how her, she felt isolated in her own skin and it hit on so many important topics and it like rhymed and it was just amazing. And at the end of her poem, the room was like, wild crazy it went wild people were like clapping hugging everybody was like wow that was amazing like you know when we talk about these things versus when we artistically express them it is there's such a big difference and it yeah. can really reach people and yeah. what I've learned in Mr. Hodge's class and AMAW class being 18 and I've just learned how 
important artistic expression is, how that is so looked down upon in society today by using your using more than your words, but in an artistic way to express how you feel or like poetry or like acting or like monologue or like it is it is so important and in and, and our voices being artistically expressed they're valid like they deserve space you know us as teens as artists we deserve space to speak on our thoughts and I think that's what really empowered us to be activists because we felt being in Mr. Hodge's class and being artists all of us being artists we felt that we deserve this space and we deserve to be activists well said Ida Christina what about you and Olivia you than me. I have learned a lot of incredible things with MAW and through Mr. Hodges' class, but two main things that have really applied to the situation that we've been in is, first of all, um, there is so much more passion in artistically expressing yourself. Um, I mean, we would do monologues and scenes, and I would listen to, you know, workshops and podcasts. There, it, There's just something about artistically expressing yourself that makes it just that much more meaningful just like what Ida said like Ayana if Ayana would have just spoken about this it would have meant so much to everyone but the fact that she artistically expressed herself through something that she was passionate about and about something she was passionate about it just kicked it up and it just made it that much more touching and motivational and just incredible um, and another thing I learned through AMAW uh, was a lot of confidence and that kind of like my voice matters, like I was saying before. I remember one of the first sessions uh, I did with AMAW, um, I was very shy. I had like a specific set of boundaries that I stayed within. And then you had me go in and be like one of the mean girls and go off of the script. And it was terrifying for me, but it helped me realize that I'm allowed to use my own, like my own thoughts, my own expression, my like just have fun with it and and let my voice just be out there and not have to worry about doing it a right way or things like that. So that just helped me grow confidence and become so much more comfortable with feeling and getting out there and saying what needs to be said. So that has just really, really, really helped me through this whole experience. When you asked that question, the first thing that came to mind was in like the first class that Mr. Hodge teaches is theater arts. And we talked about our water level, right? And how your water level goes high and low and things of that nature. And the, how I correlate this to what's the activism is I could have easily raised my water level up to the highest max and just drowned and said, I'm going to disappear from the earth. But I decided to lower that water level and be vulnerable. And to be like, you know what, this is wrong. I, I can't, I put my, we put ourselves out there to, you know, say this is wrong and we would face backlash, maybe sure, whatever, you know what I mean? And we would have people, you know, who wouldn't talk to us, who wouldn't associate with us anymore, but we had to do what needed to be done for the right thing. And shameless plug, I, I, I haven't taken an AMAW class, but trust me, I want to. And like from day one. And I remember when we would do monologues, and I would have my script because I was a, I'm a very person like I need to have something in front of me like I, I wanted to talk when I first started acting as I was I was like need to have this script right here and I remember my first time I did a monologue Hod said great now take it away I was like what <laughs> and I was like oh oh no and so I, and then I did 10 times better when I didn't have that piece of paper standing in front of my face and you know hindsight is always 2020 because at one of our uh, one of the protest days it was time for someone to speak and Hodge said, here, go, Christina, go. I said, what? I didn't have anything prepared at all. And I just went up there and just started speaking and just started talking. I had to trust myself to be vulnerable enough to say the right things. And that's the first time it happened. The second time it happened was at the community protest. And Hodge was like, does anyone want to speak? Christina, go. And then I, and I went out again and spoke in front of 200 people off script. I had nothing prepared at all, but I just went. And for the record, she did amazing. And those, I feel like, were two of my best times talking because I didn't have something in front of me. I didn't have as high as in the chat, a security blanket. And with acting that, that you have to not have a security blanket. Cause what if you forget your lines, the show still runs on. You have to trust yourself to know who you are, know your character, know your mission, know your goal. And to really, you know, check in with yourself and to trust yourself because if you don't, you're not going to do well. And so 
with acting and, and now doing this with activism, it really does go hand in hand because without the skill set to be confident enough and to be vulnerable enough and to know the right balance of those two, you won't be as good as you can be. And we've seen this throughout not just like, not just protests. I mean, every interview or podcast I go on, I don't have a script written up. And that would have terrified me just a few sessions ago or a few years ago. But like Christina said, having that confidence in my voice and having that script taken away and having to trust your own voice, uh, that has just bring in, bring, brought all of us so far. I also wanna add that when Christina spoke at that community protest, she brought down the house. Yeah. Oh my God. I literally would have never that. known. I would have never known that she didn't plan anything. She got up there. It was like her stage. Like she started speaking and everybody was like listening. Like she did amazing. You guys, you're, you're crazy articulate and super smart and vulnerable. And when I was your age, I was like, oh, <laughs> I mean, Ben, you should be so proud of your charges here. And like, what an amazing group of young women you are. And, um, you know, I think my, my takeaway listening to you guys is you're, you're an epitome of all the things that we're talking about, right? Like artistry and self-expression and being yourself and doing it your own way and being in the moment and always remembering that everything at some level is off script, right? Life itself is off script. There is no script for life. And, and maybe one could argue that we get into trouble, meaning we adhere to these systems that rely upon scripts that were written many, 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 many years ago that no longer serve this moment now. And that's what we have to excavate and re-examine and write a new script for, uh, for what we're living, which is what you guys are doing. I cry a lot, so don't worry. <laughs> Ben, do you have anything to say in closing? And then I'm going to do the speed round here really yeah, quick. Yeah, I, these are, I've said this a couple of times. These are American heroes. These are human, these are world heroes. These, these young women right here. I've heard from so many people saying that we are, uh, you know, this, you are not the future, you are a present, right? And that's what I, and I'm so proud of you. I am so blessed and thankful to have you in my life. Um, and um, I'm sorry for taking your script away and for doing those things. You can blame the guy sitting next to me because he's somebody who I consider a very important mentor. And when I go and study, I, you know I come back with, with all sorts of new tricks and trades because the, the studio at AMAW is, Who's they get it. Who's sitting next to you? Who's sitting you next are. to you? I'm saying you on the screen here. Oh yeah, I'm forgetting it's oh, a yeah. video podcast. I'm like, I'm, it's all because of Tony. Tony has taught oh. me, a lot of my bit, but I'm very thankful to have him. No, seriously. No, I'm very thankful to have a mentor like you, Tony and Lindsay and Tam and all the teachers and Jonathan and the teachers that I get to come out and work with on a regular basis. Like it is a tribe of beautiful, amazing people. And I said this when I met you 10, 10 years ago, whenever that was, that this is transformational work. And it's, it look, this is the result of this work. All three, all of the individuals in the core executive officer of the Panther Anti-Racist Union were or are currently studying in the acting classes at Central. So your whole idea that artists are the ones who are on the forefront of change and doing the right thing and, and being disruptors for ch positive change, it's right here in front of us. And I think that's happening in other AMAW places as well, too. And I hope all you AMAW tribe members listening, get out there and do the right thing and use your art for change. Thank you, Ben. I mean, I, I'll say, too, like the, the ladies here taught me a lot as well. Right. And my thing, there's an Indian saying that the teacher and the taught together create the teaching. And I love that saying because we're all learning from each other when we have an open heart and an open mind. So let me do the speed round. You guys are really awesome. I won't do all of them. We'll just do a really don't overthink it. All right, Ben, we'll start with you. What's, did you hear that crash? Oh my God. Um, that was just the wind and it's been really windy here. Okay, Ben, what's one thing you can't live without? Uh, uh, naps. Oh, good one. I've never heard that before. Eat up. <laughs> Uh, chocolate. Good, ladies. Books, <laughs> probably my phone, to be honest. <laughs> uh, there's one. Uh, Ida, who's your celebrity crush? Zendaya. 
Oh, good one. Uh, Christina. Harry Styles. <laughs> Olivia. Edith Stone Mind, Zendaya. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or, or, um, or Doug Cameron. Oh. <laughs> ben, who's your, who's your crush? All right, I got two. Kate Winslet and uh, Zach Galifianakis. Okay, wow. Okay. Good for you, Ben. Um, Ida, how would you describe acting in one word? Vulnerability. Uh, Olivia. Emotional. Courage. Ben. Permission. Good one. Um, what scares you the most, Ben? Uh, close spaces and heights. <laughs> Christina. Oh yeah, heights for me too. Uh, spiders and the dark. <laughs> Losing people I love. Aww. Aww. Ida just brought it, brought it way <laughs> back to real. I'm sorry, y'all. No, it's beautiful. I was going to say snakes because there was a snake in my garden the other day and I screamed. Um, uh, you guys are kind of young for this because you're still so young. But what, what advice would you have for your younger self? So we have to go way back to like your nine or 10 year old self. Ben, you have more years to go back. We'll start with you, Ben. I wish somebody would have told me that it's okay to stand up for myself um, when it comes to my art and my, what I wanted to do for a career. I wish I would, I wish I would have stood up for myself a lot more. I work. Yeah. That's it. That's. Olivia. Uh, you are more than enough. Aw. Christina. I would tell myself that everything happens for a reason and what you need to know will find you when it needs to find you. So stop trying to go find out answers that you don't need right now. Okay, little Buddha. Ida. <laughs> uh, what Christina said, and um, stop seeking validation in others. Be Ooh, confident enough in yourself to believe in yourself. Wow, good one, great. Okay, last question. This is a, this is a harder one. What's your definition of love? Mm. Olivia. Uh, um, uh, connection and vulnerability. I would Christina. say unconditional and understanding. Ida. Um, I think love is when you go out of your way to do something for someone, um, but like not just saying it, showing it through your actions. Mm. Ben. Listen, so listening, being present and holding space for each other. I always like to end my podcast by saying my definition of love is just this moment right now. So that was really beautiful and inspiring. I think my guests, or you are my guests, my, the listeners will really, we don't ever edit. So I don't know how many mistakes I was making my own podcast, but um, they're gonna really, I think, be inspired by this talk and your amazing youthful activism and, and real intelligence about the human condition. So thank you for being here. Um, really quick, where can they, where, is there, where can Ben, where can people find? Yeah, um, we have a uh, Instagram account. Um, it's at cy.peru, P-A-R-U. Um, and um, I'm at uh, BH Studios, as well as hopefully at AMAW Studios. If you're obviously listening to this, you probably should know that. Um, and I'll let these lovely ladies share their uh, handles as well. I can put it in the chat if that's easier. No, you would say <laughs> you have to say it because. Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot we were on a podcast for a second. Yeah. People will be able to access that, that chat. I'm sorry. Um, my Instagram handle is at Ida Gupta. It's my name, spelling my name. Spell it. Yeah. Beautiful. Go ahead and spell it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> my first name is E-D-H-A. Last name is G-U-P-T-A. Great. Christina? 
Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fairly private person, so oh, like, if you Great. if you find me, I'll probably like. But like, if not, sorry. <laughs> Mine is at Livy Pit dot Pit. Spell it, Olivia. So it's um, L I V I dot P I T. Great. Um, so I just want to thank my guests again, Ben Hodge, Olivia Pitak, Ida Gupta, and Christina Ellis. Thank you guys for being here and fighting the important fight. And um, you guys are wonderful. Anytime you need anything, you can always find me. Any acting thoughts, questions, advice, I'm always here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That would be cute. Thank you so much. Thanks, you guys. Wait. Bye, guys. Bye.